0: Does discovery rate that the discovery itself is but a show away? With over 1,800 shows and growing, we bring you those liberating stories that help you on your own life's journey from every single topic you can think of. The only common denominator is authenticity and living in your meaningful purpose. Come and read our new ebook, plus see our discovery store and what wonderful tools we have for you. Do enjoy our shows and don't forget to share. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. Welcome to Positive Living Vibrations with Sarah. You are listening to Sarah today and we are going to be talking about cyberbullying, a very, very, very serious <coughs> thing that is happening here today. You can't run or hide or avoid bullying. We have to face it, we have to deface it by looking at the root of it and empowering the people to find love of self and not the need of somebody else's approval, which I believe is the root of all bullying. Those that bully have learnt to bully, but it comes through a lack of self esteem, self love, and self value. When we live in that value and that love and purpose of life, there is no need to bully. So we need to understand what this epidemic is because it's certainly has grown, it's always been around, we did a series a little while ago on, um, on bullying, and it came from really more the, the playground, the parents, where it all stemmed from, and the parents that are ignoring it, thus uh, really in a sense bullying their children because they're not giving credence to what the child is going through. But cyberbullying is a whole new game, it makes it much easier for a bully really to be a coward because it's so easy to go and write something nasty and push a button and never have to be face to face with the person that they're bullying (coughs) and bullying takes place in so many avenues it's on all social networks facebook twitter instagram youtube byspace and various other networks it's on um easy to take a video of somebody going through something and then throwing it up to YouTube. Now it goes viral around the world and that person not only has been victimized with whatever's happened to them, they are quadruply victimized by uh, everybody knowing about it. Um, Sending a tweet, (coughs) writing an email, anything that you do, that you write, that you send, that you're not accountable for, is bullying and has a very, very negative effect on the psyche of people. Chatroom blogs, oh my gosh, you see an awful lot of bullying in there. People going off on rampages, stripping a strip of other people. It gets really, really nasty. Bullying is harassment. It's stalking. It's rumor spreading. It's sharing information with others without their authorization. It's all sorts of things, and we have to really get down to the root of it, folks, and we have to stop it. So, we have today a couple of people that I am very, very privileged to have as hosts on PLV Radio. One is Angela Goodeve, and she's on our 8 o'clock in the morning, welcoming your day on The Dear Angela Show. She is a, a coach, a motivator, a stimulator, um, always has the right things to say, and brings on fabulous guests. She has also her own TV show, and she is somebody that sees life from a very positive angle uh, but understands from kind of the darkness where people come from and her passion and her job is to make sure that people are living in their light and loving of themselves. I also have Josh on here, John, gosh, good start, we've got a lot of goods here today, good evening, good start, Uh, so it must (laughs) be a good show, Um, and Josh is coming on as our animal whisperer, he's going to be on at four o'clock starting November 4th next week, and he is going to be doing um, Happy People Make Healthier Pets, and he's here to educate us humans and how to respect and treat our animal counterparts. Uh, the value of animals, how to care for them, how to love for them, how to listen and be in tune with them. But he's also on the other side of the scale, um, a substance abuse coach, um, and uh, has worked with people you know, from the street and from the people that have been the forgotten people and helped them find themselves and uh, find that journey back. And a lot of ways, the behavior... Of somebody who's self-destructive is also the same destructive behavior of those that are cruel to animals. And a lot of bullying comes from self-destruction. So there's a lot of correlation here. So without any further ado, without me keep on talking, let us bring on Angela and Josh.
1: Hello, folks. How are we today? Hello. Good. Very good. Happy to, happy to be here talking about this really important topic and uh, with Josh for the first time joining the network. So. Cheers. How are you doing? Cheers.
0: Well, Ange, let's go with ladies first. So how about you tell everybody, I mean, I know out of all of us on, on um, PLV Radio, you're the one that's very kind of social media savvy and you work <laughs> with social media a great deal. Um, Plus, you know, you are a a coach working with people on all sorts of levels. You know, where do you actually, A, give a little bit about your background and who who you are, etc., but also, you know, how bullying kind of comes into your work?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've experienced this on a number of different levels. Um, My daughter, I have a 20-year-old daughter who went through it. In fact, it was one of the biggest... um, I would say, you know, bones of contention, but also, um, you know, damaging to her self-esteem when she went through um, with, you know, being on the internet and social media sites. And secondly, um, I I have a degree in psychology, but I also have a college diploma in corrections. Um, and I worked with young offenders for a while um, when I was in uh, college and university. And so, you really get to see where this type of behavior comes from, where the, um, you know, this acting out. And, you know, the one thing that really struck me is that when you look at all of these kids um, history, you see these commonalities, you see, you know, neglect and abuse and addictions in the family. And, you know, um, you know, maybe God forbid, you know, sexual abuse. And, and so it, it, you know disempowers them and then leads them to you know kind of be lost and and in effect I guess it can lead to um you know that feeling that you know if I disempower others then maybe I'll feel you know more powerful Mm -hmm. or or better about myself so that's my first observation about that and Josh what about yours
2: well um I have Uh, like Angela I have a personal experience with it Um, because I'm just a a different kind of person um, there's really no other way to explain it Um, I've been bullied probably through half my life probably until I was easily into my early 20s and I still experience the beginnings of bullying to this day but I'm older and more mature I've, I've developed myself so I know how to prevent it from happening to me but if I didn't have these skills, it would just continue to this day because of the type of person I am. I uh, have a lot of experience with the victim side. I do have experience with the other side where I've worked with people that are, are bullies and uh, are the person that, uh, the aggressors you can call them. Um, working with dogs and training dogs over 30 years, I've seen a lot of bullying against animals from their owners. Uh, because, again, a victim's a victim. It could be a human mm-hmm. or an animal, right? So, uh, but on the other side of things, as uh, I'm a certified addictions counselor, and I've worked in first-stage and second-stage houses, a first-stage house, uh, for those who don't know, uh, as far as the addictions uh, field is concerned, a first-stage first house is where you're not allowed to have any drugs in your system at all where a second stage is you can, you just can't use on the property. So I've worked with both of those types of uh, houses and have treated a lot of people, mostly men, where they have been the abusers of their wives or been the bullies, you know, and that's the reason they're in front of me. Um, A lot of them were CSO'd, which means court sanction order, to be in front of me. So they've obviously committed some sort of crime due to some sort of aggression or bullying or assault um so it's interesting to come from me as a victim and then also working with the very people that would have probably bullied me in my past if they were in my past so it was very interesting to i'm helping the very people that have actually harmed me in my past. yeah
0: that's what kind of forgiveness is isn't it um yeah i i was sorely bullied um, through my life as well uh, quite uh, considerably um, <coughs> but you know we didn't have cell phones or anything else so it was the bully face to face and you know things that they do behind me uh, you know I was at boarding school um, I've been an asthmatic all my life so there were times where I just couldn't go and do what the other kids could do and uh, one time, three girls dragged me by my hair and take me out to a garden where they've dug a hole and they're going to plant me like a weed because I can't do anything. Okay. Fortunately, the headmistress caught them. But, you know, that was only what she saw. She didn't see the stuff that was going on behind. And I was a tall girl and always, even though, you know, victimized, kind of strong in personality to a sense. Um, and often I think that's kind of made me picked on even more, actually. Um, so it was very very interesting how we grow from being bullied you know and how it actually it, it's a double entente one part of you grows stronger and makes you a stronger person for it but I think that that victim of you always there's a resonant that stays there you you know you, you can articulate it you can look at it you can dissect it but that it stays with you it stays with you for life So when you are victuying someone saying, oh, they'll forget it one day. No, they won't. They never do forget it because it is a crime against their senses. And we have to really kind of take ownership of that. And people have to think before they go and do something, especially as faceless as cyberbullying, where they're not even seeing the person. Now, mm-hmm. um, Andrew, I love the way that, you know, you, you dug up this wonderful document on kind of this, you know, more statistics and exactly what the cyberbullying and, and everything is. And, mm-hmm. you know, overt and covert bullying, um, you know, threats of harm, gossiping, exclusion and ignoring, you know, it's not face to face, but, um, you know, it's not, s- cyber world is not supervised, you know, and uh, even adults putting something on the computer to protect, it doesn't stop tweets, or it doesn't stop emails. Um, emails, however, I feel are a little more accountable because you know where that email address is coming from, and you know, and it feels. You know, I've recently been going through this with with somebody who's been doing this, but you at least know who it is. When it comes to tweets, and things like that, it's a hashtag or some sort of name. You you know you don't always identify who it's coming from, and it. Mm-hmm it's also an email still private to you you know a a tweet is something now going out to all of those followers Mm -hmm. so you know let's just take the tweeting for a moment and you know what can we do about this how can we tell people to be responsible for these actions
1: and well I mean I, I guess like anything the first step is awareness of you know the fact that you know, this does go on. It goes on on a daily basis. Um, you know, I was just reading that site, NoBullying.com, this morning, and it was saying that 43% of teens have been victimized by this cyberbullying. Yeah. And, you know, the statistics go on and on. So, you know, I think that uh, it's really hard to monitor, mm-hmm. but it needs to be monitored more. It needs to be monitored, um, you know, at the parental level, level. It needs to be monitored at... Uh, you know, the ownership level of these sites. Um, you know, at what point does somebody become responsible for allowing this to continue? Mm. Um, you know, and uh, but I mean, with cyberbullying or bully bullying, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all the same thing, it's just that the internet. Um, gives it that sense of, you know, a little bit of anonymity, like you say, like you're hiding behind a hashtag and you're not looking the person in the face. And, and uh, so people need to start standing up and start reporting it. Like every single so- social um, media site has the option to report different things as abusive or inappropriate they most of them have policies um outline the fact that these things are not acceptable um but of course um you know it's this huge you know thing to monitor like our laws haven't even caught up with you know the advancements in the internet and social media and and so we need to take individual responsibility for it everybody to start you know bringing it to people's attention.
0: You know, I think what you just hit on there, the word responsible, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you've got like tweet things and you you read some of those things and, you know, um, uh, you know, comedians, et cetera, read out some of these tweets and, you know, and some of them are just plain stupid, but mm-hmm. some of them get kind of downright cruel. And it's um, how does somebody kind of monitor that? Because now you're actually monitoring kind of intention. It's not like they're using a swear word or, or something like that, that that the computer can mm. pick up. You know, it, it's, it's a double entendre. It's a, it's a sly meaning. And how does a computer pick that up? So it's very hard for them to do that. I'm going to throw it over to you, Josh, in a moment. But mm-hmm. here, how about this? How about we don't give teens phones? Now, mm-hmm. I, I gave teenagers my phones, but at that time there was no um, texting. Um, so they, mm-hmm. or, you know, certainly none of these phones that are in mini computer today where they can do everything. Um, but it was simply a phone that I could phone them and say, time to come home, or where are you? Or they could call me in a, in a case of emergency. Mm-hmm. We can still give our kids phones because that is a wonderful tool, but we can do it without the data pro, uh, plan. And that yeah. would, uh, right there, kind of stop that access to it. Josh? Well... well.
2: From, as a behaviorist, uh, from my perspective, taking things away is usually, uh, rarely, uh, a way to learn. When I'm working with the dogs, and I often find one of the largest mistakes people make is when their dog has an issue with another dog, with a certain something, they tend to have an auto response to take the dog away from it, when of course the thing to do is bring the dog to the issue, mm-hmm. And then you guide the dog while they are at that issue and reteach the information that's in mm-hmm. the dog's mm-hmm. mind. So I find that when I'm working with teenagers, it's the exact same thing. You bring them to the issue. And while the issue's there, you teach them to take mm-hmm. responsibility, not only to understand to take responsibility for their actions, but to understand that when you have an action, it does do something.
0: It has a there's, consequence. Mm-hmm. It
2: definitely has a consequence, and that's the problem with the cyber world: is there is no evidence that you've had some sort of, you know, action or some sort of damage that's been caused. There's no. There's no evidence on. They've they've tweeted it, and they shut their stuff off and go to bed, watch TV. There's. They have not received an information back, and they never receive the information back. There's something called. Um, the bystander effect. I don't know if you've heard of this, but mm-hmm. the bystander effect. What it involves with is uh, the more people that are associated around a problem, an accident, an incident, the less chance you have of getting something done, getting something helped, having something you know uh, taken care of, or, you know, whatever the help is needed. And it seems that the more people that are involved you get this, this thing called diffusion of responsibility. So because we're in the cyber world, there's think of the amount of population in that cyber world. Mm. And when mm-hmm. someone is tweeting and, and emailing and texting and, and doing all the social media, it's such a huge world that the diffusion of responsibility is, you know, immense. So, mm. but what they don't understand is that every little seed that you are planting, you are effectively contributing to two things. You're confec- uh, affecting, uh, contributing to someone's PTSD if they already are traumatic because mm-hmm. of bullying. And mm-hmm. you're affecting the ST, uh, uh, the secondary traumatic for the person who's visualizing what's happening to
0: someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, you know, uh, <clears throat> just, you know, reading it, and then not being outraged about it or holding that person accountable for it is condoning it. And I think we spend far too much of our lives as bystanders saying, oh, that's not very nice. But then not turning around to the person that's doing it and making them accountable for it. Or, no. or, you know, maybe pointing out that's gone too far. You now owe this person an apology. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time the bullying is, A, the person not owning up to it, um, you know, and just feeling they can get away with it, but also never validating the person that's being victimized and receiving that apology. Because mm-hmm. I mean when they receive that apology, it's like it's no longer, um, I no longer, well, they'll always fear some form of a victim, but that victimization kind of gets taken off them in a way because that responsibility is being shared. And I think as bystanders, as parents, with kids with these multiple phones that can do everything, um, I think, you know, in the classroom or wherever you are, um, pick up the phone and look at your kids' stuff Mm
1: -hmm. and see what
0: they're doing. And then if you see they've gone too far, it's time to sit down and actually get into the accountabilities, which doesn't mean screaming and shouting or bullying them. It means, do you understand the repercussions of what you've just done?
2: Or or even, I know I just hit my knee on the table there. Uh, Or even, even you know when a parent, you know, has this responsibility, they know as a parent at some point in time, I'm going to have to sit my child down at whatever age it is and have the talk about sex, have the talk about drugs. I think this is something that should be part of the talk. I agree. It should be okay. It's your eight, your nine, your whatever you know age of age where you're going to start communicating back and forth you should have the chat about okay we're going to talk about this social network and the responsibilities you need to have that are equal amount of responsibility you need to have to have the knowledge about sex and the knowledge about drugs because it's all equally just as damaging Mm -hmm. Isn't,
0: isn't that so sad you're actually saying eight and nine you know, Andrew, I don't know about you, but certainly in my time, you know, you would only have that talk around 13 or 14. I had a rotary phone when I was 18. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> um, there's a few things that, like, this is bringing up for me. One, that that's just brilliant what Josh said about, you know, teaching them the ways rather than taking it away. Because as a parent and maybe, you know, kind of a more strict parent, my my automatic go-to is, you know, don't give it to them. You know, like I'm looking here at another statistic. It says that, you know, um, 91% of children in grades 1 to 5 use computers. 50% use the internet. Um, you know, so we're talking 6, 7, mm-hmm. like that's when they're starting. And, but, you know, after going through raising a 20-year-old and now starting on a 4-year-old because she's with me most of the time, um, I do change that perspective a bit to that empowerment piece um, of teaching them the ways rather, and, and also not assuming that you know the ways, but you know, to teaching them so that they can internalize it and, and it can empower them to you know do other things in life. And, and then the other point was that um, what Sarah was saying about the individual uh, not being held accountable, or maybe even realizing the impact that they're having on this other person. Um, Like when I was in grades um, five to seven, I I went to this, somewhat uppity, uh, you know, bilingual school. It was in an affluent neighborhood where, the you know, I come from a town where we have, you know, a top-rated university and um, hospitals and things like that. So we had, you know, doctors, lawyers, uh, professors. Um, I was going to school with their children. And I had a mom who was working for an insurance company, a single mom, um, and she couldn't afford you know all of the preppy Mm -hmm. you know cotton ginny clothes and like you know maybe i would get it but it would be like one of the off colors that's like cheaper or something like that and uh like it wasn't like you experienced sarah like with the you know dragging you and you know physically abusing you it was the acting like i didn't even exist And then every once in a while, throwing in a "Your hair is shit brown." Oops, I didn't mean to swear. Yeah, but, no, that's you know, all right. Leave that out later. You know, like little things like that. And and then it, it really, really struck me years later. Um, I went to a different school in grade eight, um, and that's when things kind of opened up for me in terms of you know having friends at school that actually you know were my friends and that Mm. i played with or whatever and uh and then as i got into high school and i still you know had this wider circle of friends i would run into some of these girls uh and guys by the way because it was all of Mm -hmm. them like i don't know it scared them or something that i was different and uh and they would act like nothing happened yeah and they would say oh hey angela how's it going and i'd be looking at them thinking are you serious right now? Like, do you, why would you think I'd even want to have anything to do with you? Because, like, you know, they don't realize the effect yeah. that that had on me. And then it probably has on me to a certain extent now, you know, in life, you know, you know, or at least before I was kind of enlightened, like, you know, not feeling like I really fit in and, and things like we that. We are right? subjected
0: because it becomes part of our belief. You know, somebody's programmed us that we're not worthy. You know, we don't mm-hmm. fit into the same box as everyone else, so therefore there's something wrong with us. Instead of us celebrating our uniqueness, um, instead of, you know, we see things from a different perspective. You know, we're not sheep or we are, those leaders and those individuals um, condemned for being different. And we think because society taught us that way, which society is changing a bit now, um, that unless we are cut by the same cloth, we are unworthy and it's a belief that gets instilled in us very, very early, not just at the school, you know, with, um, you can have some member in the family who doesn't think that you're up to par, you know, is not as good as her kid, Um, you know, all sorts, of. it comes from all sorts of avenues and the judgment and the assumption placed on your mother as a single woman, instead of like, you know, um, being... Uh, grateful for the fact that she is there raising you on her own and that she could do with the help and the support. And, you know, the courage Mm -hmm. that it takes, it became a stigma instead that was then passed down onto you. And that is society's misconstruing of values and, uh, you know, where the value stands and the value on the individual. And we've got to stop being sheeple and we've got it up for, you know, ourselves. And a lot of people think that, well, the way you face a bully is, you know, fists up in the air. Um I, did, I disagree with that. I think the, the more you can rem- face a bully is the more standing in your own empowerment and saying that what you're doing is not very nice. However, it is not going to have this negative effect on me. Um, so mm. how, let's just hit a little bit on that. Is When somebody is being the receiver of some form of bullying, um, let's uh, take things like uh texting right now because you see every goddamn teenager with a phone and they don't seem to look up and look around them it you know it it is everything is their thumbs to the text uh, things being sent out to people left right and center you know uh, apart from taking them aside and educating them on the effects of that what do we do for the person that is actually receiving these texts and it's going out to everybody and they're now the victim how do we help them realize as in the four agreements do not take it personally this is somebody else's disgruntled being imposed upon you how do they stand in that empowerment of self when they feel that the whole world has got the spotlight on them for the wrong reasons josh you want to throw in on that one
2: sure um to first before trying to understand how to teach them how to handle what's coming to them, I think we first have to understand why are they attracting it in the first place. Because from my experience and from my research uh, and, my own, you know, and my own personal experience, the, the victim and the bullies are one in the same people. Mm-hmm. They are both mm-hmm. victims, they are just on either sides of the coin
0: different reactions
2: and you know from aggression from yeah. you know fight flight you <clears> know. <throat> so you have the bully that is looking for the victim and you have the victim that is actually looking for the bully of course this is all subconscious in some cases it's not in some cases it actually is conscious um, for example uh, uh, we'll just say a, uh, a young girl gets sexually assaulted by someone in the family, Mr. you know, Uncle Chester or something like that, and she purposely starts to dress down, wears potato sacks to school, this, that, and the other. She is purposely trying to make herself unattractive as a way to avoid, you know, buddy-uncle again. But this this labels her. She's not wearing the greatest and the latest, so she's just a big label to get picked on at school, which is what she wants. She wants to be picked on so she doesn't look attractive so she doesn't continue being assaulted so that's an example of a conscious attraction of bullying but most is subconscious so you, you have to actually be able to go to the victim and ask the question of where is it starting why do you feel that you are not worth more than what you're receiving because truth be known before even the first tweet gets sent out to this person to bully them something has already happened that they're doing and accepting before anything even starts so i would want to go to that person and ask them you know why do you feel that you are not worth more than you truly
0: are yeah it's um it's giving somebody the shoe um to, to hit you with you know, <coughs> I, I was that uh, victim but I realized that I was handing people the boot in which to kick me with because I did not feel worthy and I thought that's all that I was worth um, however they put the shoe on and decided to kick so that onus was on them um, mm-hmm. but I look, I've had to systematically go back and look at my beliefs in my life and I realized that I was very much a reflection of my mother who did not believe that she was worthy, um, you know always was striving to be something that she wasn't and um, and always feeling that she wasn't enough because she wasn't loved by her mother, so the cycle goes on and on and on and on, and when we actually understand where it comes from and that it's somebody else's belief that's imposed upon us and not the way we want to believe about ourselves we could start re-dialoguing with ourselves and start speaking to the way we want to feel and owning that feeling as rather having an an imposed feeling on us that puts us in that victim mode absolutely and Mm -hmm. it's
2: and if you the the other difficult part of dealing with this on both sides from the bully and the victim when you're treating the victim or the bully sure you're if you're even able to actually sit down with the actual person and you're, you're you're dealing with them and you're getting some headway if they're going back to the fire and it's getting fueled again so if they're going back home and getting the very thing that's creating this situation it makes it very difficult so now you have to go a step past them and deal with the parents and then in some cases which I found where I get a chance to actually talk with the parents I actually have to deal with their parents so in the sense the person that I was dealing with, I end up dealing with their grandparents yeah. to solve
0: the problem. And people don't realize it's a domino effect. You know, if we don't pay attention to what it is, it, you know, it just is a cycle <laughs> that keeps on going on and on and on. And, mm-hmm. you know, in our first segment of, of the this bullying series, uh, you know, we talked about the kids that would go home and tell their parents. And it was like, well, just put up the duke, so what did you do to deserve it? Or, you know, just get over it. And so therefore... It's not feeding the victim, but it's looking at that victim and saying, okay, how can we empower you so that you won't become the victim? It almost felt to these kids that they were victimized again by being not oh, given I've, any I've, voice.
2: That's exactly it. I mean, I, I wasn't just bullied at school. I would, run home, I would run from the bullies to come home to get bullied at home. Yeah. And I remember I had a black eye, came home with a black eye, and my dad looked at it and laughed at me. He laughed. He thought, oh, wow, that's, you know... I guess we you you weren't tough enough, where you're webbed, you know.
0: Yeah, this whole macho just, thing that, you know, you've got to yeah. kind of have a few knife marks and, you know, bruises and broken ribs to prove you're a man. It's arcade, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's purely <laughs> Hollywood. <Yeah. laughs> we uh, it's not reality. We actually don't like our men all beaten up and sliced, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: not attractive.
0: No, no, it isn't. And, you know, it again, it it desensitizes people. So, you know, it's, you know, and then people don't trust their feelings or they don't know how to love because they've been so busy kind of fighting and defending themselves So they don't trust. I think that's another topic right here. Let's take the word trust. When you've been bullied, be it by a spouse, boyfriend, school people, parents, the trust level to trust people again. You know, for me, I always say, if I'm in a relationship and I can trust you with my vulnerability, mm-hmm. then I know I'm in a relationship that I can love and trust. If I can't mm-hmm. trust you with my vulnerability, if you throw something that I've given back to you in trust and you demean it in any way, you've betrayed mm-hmm. my trust. Yeah. It is very hard, I think, for people who have been bullied to trust again. So let's take mm-hmm. that
1: word trust and? Oh, wow. Like, yeah, that really hits a chord with me because, uh, you know, that wasn't my only experience and, like, I won't get into it today, but, um, like, suffice to say that I experienced a lot of um, this in, like, different areas of my life. And uh, that has been the biggest thing for me to overcome mm-hmm. is is the ability to, to one, feel comfortable being vulnerable, and two, trusting that that other person is not going to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that contributes to that for me and kind of um, magnifies it is the fact that it didn't just happen in isolation when I was younger. It continued to happen in different respects, you know, through different relationships in my life into adulthood. And so, um, and this is what happens to these people. Like, um, you know, another thing that it said on that site is that, um, 40% of the people that are bullied in the workplace admit to being bullied when they were children. And, you know, like you say, it kind of like puts you in that, um, like victim mentality or something. And uh, so the only way to really get over that after it's happened is to, um, you know, be really careful about the people that you're going to be around in the future um, so that you know that there are going to be people that are going to guard, you know, you and your hurt and your vulnerability. But for the people that are going through it, or even um, when thinking about avoiding it in the first place, um, we need to, um, like, one, instill in them beforehand that, you know, sense of, you know, I matter and I don't deserve to be treated like yeah, this, certainly. you know, like starting in the home. And, and then the second piece that's really important to me is that is the whole um, idea of compassion. And, you know, when you're talking about not taking things personally, um, you know, that bully is hurting just as much as they're hurting you. And so, if you can look at it in the respect of, you know, wow, you know... What drives them to bully? Yeah, like you might not say it to them because that might kind of like set something up. but, (laughs) But you might think to yourself, wow, you know, that person must be in a lot of pain to be acting like that right now. Yeah. And and then it takes the focus off of you and and it sets it in a place that doesn't go to those feelings of anger and resentment and hurt and you know and wanting to take revenge or like whatever it causes, it, it takes it outside of yourself and, you know, puts that responsibility, so to speak, you know, back on them for their behavior. Like, yeah, they might have been hurt. But they're making the choice. And, and you know, like Josh said earlier, you're making the choice to allow them to do yes. it. Why aren't you blocking them from your text? Why aren't you letting your parents know this is going on? Um, why do you even engage in the conversation? You know, like my daughter did this. She she would get on and somebody would say something and then she'd react, yes. right? And, and then it would just perpetuate the whole thing and then other people would get involved. And next thing you know... It's a it's this big, huge deal, yeah. and then and then she's fighting with me because she doesn't want to get off the computer at bedtime because she needs to resolve this issue that's totally unresolvable, yes. you know, <laughs> it's developed a life
0: of its own. You know, become a virus. On, do you mind? I'm in the middle of a fight. Okay, a <laughs> second. So, what's your what's your perspective on on the trust factor, of Josh?
2: Um, an understanding that has taken me years to accomplish. Yes, and. Uh, I heard it a while ago, and it is vulnerability is not weakness. And I repeat that over and over in my sessions, to myself, even in my dog trainings. Vulnerability is not weakness. It does not equal weakness. No, I think it it
0: equals equals strength. strength. I think if people can be vulnerable, they're being true to, to themselves, to their senses, they're opening up to the world, they're being true to you. Because to show somebody that vulnerability is to respect and trust them with that and that vulnerability is to say that I am flawed but that doesn't mean I'm broken or that I am weak it just means I recognize as a human being there are things that I can't do or that I'm sensitive about
2: I, I often give an example of you know, some sort of badge or a raccoon or wolverine caught in a corner they're in a vulnerable situation but I trust me there is nothing weak about them You know if you go into that corner to grab them and see you'll find out how you know not weak they are Um, as of what Angela said earlier about the bullies that she met years later and they said so how you doing like nothing had ever happened and in your mind from what you saw you're thinking that they actually didn't realize of what damage they had caused but the truth is from my experience they actually did know and they are very aware of what they've done but they will not make themselves vulnerable to Angela because in their minds it equals weakness. Yeah. So if, if Angela can imagine one of these people actually coming to terms with it's not weakness and going to Angela and saying, look, I realize I was an idiot back then. I, I was such a tool. You know, can you, you know, forgive me? It would be a completely different situation and, and even thought process for you, Angela, to actually mm-hmm. experience that. It would totally take away your anger, totally take away your frustration in one little tiny sentence.
0: That Mm -hmm. happened to my daughter at school, uh, during middle school. She was bullied horribly, you know, thrown into the toilet, thrown up against walls. Uh, A bunch of kids, uh, girls, um, just terrorized her. I mean, she would make herself sick at home so that she wouldn't have to go to school. But when we found out about it, we wanted to go to the principal, we wanted to go and um, you know address all of this we wanted to face the girl and she said no this is my fight if you intervene then I look like the coward will only make it worse let me deal with it and (laughs) she dealt you know and with you know every time she what she could do though is she could come home and get the hug from us get the praise from from us for, for dealing with it you know and not feeling that she had to do it alone but she wanted to do it on her own. And then years later, she met these, uh, this girl who came to her and apologized. I am so sorry for what I did to you. And I have such admiration for you for the way that you handled it. And that wow. became her badge of honor. She didn't give mm-hmm. in. She stood up and she stood ground and she did it on her own, however painful it was. In the end, she got that apology and realized that it was a badge of honor for her of having worked through it and not letting them win and that apology was really meant a great deal to her Mm -hmm.
2: so there's the powerful statement right there she was able to come home and get reassurance yeah so who knows how many children or, or, or kids or even adults that are out there in the field in the world and think okay I'll try standing my ground and then they go home and they don't get that reassurance. Yeah. And so they think, well, it didn't work, so forget it. I will, I'll try
0: something else." Yes. Um, you know, having been bullied um, and, you know, having to work on my own <clears throat> beliefs or beliefs that were imposed upon me, having to take ownership of my own life and my own choices, my own decisions, which were a, a very long and winding road. And, you know, there will always be scars, There will always be memories, cellular memories, things that happen that bring up those things that happen. But it's, for me, that learning to love of self, to accept yourself for all that you can do, not what you can't, never to measure yourself by somebody else, but to measure yourself by, am I doing my best? Am I giving Mm. it my all? Am I valuing myself so others will know how to value me? Am I loving myself so others may know how to love me in that light? I, mm-hmm. You know, you talked about having the right people around you. I think you get the right people around you when you are true to who you really are. And yes. radiate Absolutely. radiate that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say I'm the most confident person in the world, but I am confident in what I believe in, what I stand mm-hmm. for, what I do. I'm confident in who I am when I'm certainly in my knowingness. And there's a lot of other things I'm not confident of. It means it's not my arena. I'm confident in my arena and who I am in this arena, and I will stand by me. In doing Mm -hmm. that, I've attracted great people like you guys to come (laughs) onto the shows and share your expertise and and stories because you've heard me and the message and the philosophy and of being like-minded are out there in good company, now spreading your message. and. It takes a while to get there. There is no quick app that you can download. There is no quick pill that you can take. You've got to be willing to look at your beliefs and understand where they imposed on me, where they, you know, integrated into me. I can change them. I can change them to what I want them to stand for in my own life. And I can take ownership of my own choices. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the biggest thing I think we have to learn in life. We can make the choice in our own lives yeah. if we are willing to take ownership of our lives. Now, I not, nothing to do with faith here, because faith is an enormous thing. Because mm-hmm. it helps guide you. It is, you know, your divine guidance into where you're going. But let's leave faith out of it and say faith in yourself. In who you mm-hmm. are what your possibilities are what your purpose is in life and the more you grow into that the less the bullies are ever going to be able to touch you yeah. you know because sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me
2: yeah and th- that can be the same advice for the bullies. yes it so can. can stop
0: doing that. it can mm-hmm.
2: uh, to empower themselves to feel empowered by themselves so they don't have to use a victim as a coping skill to empower them. They can do it themselves.
1: Yeah, and then, and then the other thing is, is you know, not only compassion for the hurt that they're feeling that that's making them do it, but I mean, you know, I believe, and I and I know you probably do, Sarah, is that you know, at our core, you know we want to be good people. We yes. want to treat other people with respect. And so how horrible is that, that they're stuck in this mode and, and how much they must, you know, not like themselves for, um, you know, treating other people like that. And, and so... You know there's that aspect and the second one and this keeps coming up for me over and over again in different conversations that I've had is that saying that you know pain is necessary and struggle is a choice so you know you can choose to you know be hurting and be the bully you can choose to um, you know be the victim you you can choose to stand up for yourself and you know live in your personal power and surround yourself with things and people that are going to make you um, happy and living in your personal greatness according to your values and everything else.
0: Completely. There's a quick story I want to interject here. Mm -hmm. A guy I met at a a writer's workshop and he was there to write a book that he was compelled to write that he had been bullied into bullying as a kid. And the bullies were, if you were not going to work for us, we're going to bully you. So he became a bullier. And he went to a 40-year school reunion, and one of the bullies went up to this one guy and apologized 40 years later to the people that he had bullied. Now, one guy accepted it, and it became a relief. Again, that validation that this wasn't all everything I asked for. You know, this was somebody that, something that was imposed to me. Another person, 40 years later, and now he'll be closer to 60, refused to accept that apology and wow. so he's now writing a book called The Remorseful Bully and he's writing about it from those both <sighs> aspects of you know, becoming the bully but by uh, quite essentially being the victim because he was a bully mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know the scars that it leaves years later
2: oh yeah, yeah. You know, this and doesn't go ever,
0: away unless we deal with it it's like addiction isn't it it's like alcohol you know, until we're going to deal with it, um, we, cannot, we cannot find the, the root of what the problem is that's causing it. We have to stand it, up and say, yeah. I am the alcoholic, I am the abuser, I am the bullier. Yeah. And take but the shame I, out of it and say, but I want yeah. to get oh, shame well. Shame and
2: guilt. <laughs> you just, yeah, shame and guilt. You opened up a can of worms yeah. there. The, <laughs> the interesting how, Angela, when you said about choices uh, this is mm. a very huge huge thing in in uh, behavior and addiction and mm-hmm. choices um, from what I've learned um, and when I uh, uh, counseling and all the years I've been doing that is because it's such a big debatable thing when it comes to addiction and choice right and mm-hmm. I'm sure it would be same for bullying mm-hmm. and from what I've learned is choice is limited to not your knowledge because people know a lot and they actually have a lot of understanding its practice knowledge what practice what knowledge and understanding that you have that you've actually put into practice so if you haven't put it into practice it's no longer a choice now you actually need another element to help you put and teach you and guide you to how to practice that knowledge that you have so you have what we call contempla- uh, pre-contemplation where you have no clue about changing, even thinking that there's a problem and then there's contemplation where you know there's a problem but you have no clue and how to do it. That is the stage that a lot of people are. That's the big population when it comes to addiction and behavioral addictions including bullying and, victim- and being victimized. So what at that point it's the, the, the public that for the people that do have the understanding to go out to these people reach out and say i'm going to teach you and guide you how to make better choices so if you to, 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 to say to the bully and the victim you have the choice to do it that's great they've got the knowledge now you just need the next step which is actually showing them how to make that choice
0: yeah and you know it's it, it really does a the person that um and you know they take that responsibility um, I had a client I was trying to work with, and it didn't matter what I gave her to do. Um, nothing worked because uh, she wanted that quick fix. Just tell me what to do. Mm. Just do it yeah. for me. Just tell me. And I said, But I am telling you, I don't want to do it that way. Just fix me. And, <laughs> and eventually. The way you're
2: doing it, Sarah, see, the way you're telling me to do it, uh, it causes pain. See, yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I want to keep her i don 't feel any pain, so if you can just tell me that one
0: that'd be great yeah uh, I, I had to to drop her and i said i 'm here for you you know when uh, when you 're ready, but i can 't help you until you 're willing to help self yeah and yeah. that was really the main thing of it, and she wasn 't at that stage she knew she needed to be quote fixed, she knew that she needed help and that she was in a downward spiral but she just wanted somebody just to come in and put that band-aid on and make it all better and it's very hard for people that are in such extreme emotional pain to understand you are your own healer I'm just here to help you heal yourself because really what they want is that numbing fying pill that's going to take all the booze away
2: which you can't blame her for that because that's what society teaches you. No. You know, just buy this, mm. buy that, and we'll get it all fixed up for you. Yeah, that's
1: and, a good point.
2: And, and it's what, what I call that the stage that she is, I call she's not sick and tired of being sick and tired. She's not quite <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah.
2: And when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know that they're at that stage when they come to you and they say, I don't care anymore, whatever you got. You want me to eat gummy bears? Okay, all the gummy bears. You want me to dump up one leg? Got it, I'm ready to go then you know they're (laughs) sick and tired being sick and tired because they know that no matter what you say that comes out of your mouth can't be worse than what they've already done to themselves. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I I work with people for years. Um, You know, I, I plant seeds, I water them, I let them go about their life and then they come back into it and I plant more seeds and I keep watering. The fundamental fear or thing is the fear. That four-letter word that is so crippling to people. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, I start planting seeds of possibilities, of things that I know they could do, Um, wonderments that they could achieve, Uh, feelings that they could be feeling. And you have to kind of keep massaging this in this, keep watering those seeds. But the fear is what's stopping them. And, you know, that fear is is a four-letter word for so many things. But it's that four-letter word. And when they one day actually say, you know, you keep painting this beautiful picture, but I don't know what's in the way. And I said, you do know. It's a four-letter word. What is it? And they eventually face the fact that it's their fear. And when they realize it's the fear, I say, okay, well, what are you afraid of? And now they have to look at what they're afraid of. And while they're speaking of what they're afraid of, they start realizing how much they're feeding the fear. Or that it fear has become an excuse not to take responsibility or ownership for that journey that they could take to their own possibilities.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: absolutely. absolutely.
0: Very good point. Yeah. You know, we, we are with ourselves for the rest of our lives, aren't we? You know, it doesn't yeah. matter who you are, how rich or poor or healthy or how wise, you are in this body, mind and soul for your mm-hmm. entire life. And it is your choice in how you're going to live it. Now, Mm -hmm. there are circumstances, certainly as children, uh, or choices that we make that may not always end up being very good for us. But when it comes down to it, we can still have the choice of our attitude and our reaction. We have that choice of that. So in that choice, we can choose not to be the victim. If we're not the victim, where does the bully go? where does the okay. attacker go where does the you know, perpetrator go they go and find the people that have got that neon sight above the head saying I'm a victim <laughs> because it radiates in their aura it radiates in their energy
2: and, and same with the bully if there's no bully yeah. then where, where does the victim go Exactly. Yeah. You know, can you bully me no I'm not that guy sorry you'll have to go somewhere
0: else yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point and you know like if you if you've went through it, um, you know, um, and you learn to love yourself enough, then you don't need to hear necessarily "I'm sorry" from that person because, you know, you don't need it anymore. You recognize it from where it's coming yeah. from, or you can offer that forgiveness. Um, you know, if not for them, then for yourself. For yourself, and, you've got there. And, for yourself, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and then then you'll be able to move to move on. Yeah.
0: If you're waiting for that apology and that's what's hanging you up, don't waste Mm -hmm. your time. You know, it it is that forgiveness of self first that needs to come. Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because you were a victim of your circumstances, of your beliefs, of your upbringing. You know, one thing beautiful about the Internet is the fact that it opens up our world so much today and we have access to information and this radio station that brings mm-hmm. such much inspiration every week to everybody from such expertise and people who have made the journey because nobody comes on the show folks that hasn't made their own journey they're not mm. book learners they are people who have t- learnt from books but have learnt from experience in life so when they're speaking to you they're speaking to you from being there so they understand where yeah. you're at we have the internet that opens up to so much to us today we have to be discerning to what services and what doesn't service uh, mm-hmm. look to that in the people in your life your friends are you hanging out with that friends because cool? because everybody else likes them and that doesn't that's not just in school that would be at the office that would be at uh, you mm-hmm. know the clicky friends that are i lived in a town here you'll know it uh, josh no fan and I lived up there for a while and I'm at a coffee bar and then there's people coming into this coffee bar. Now you've got the cyclists and they're all wearing the same cycle uniform. Then you've got yeah. the joggers, they're all wearing jogging outfits all matching. Then you've got the yoga <laughs> people all coming down. Is it doesn't anybody just wear T shirt and shorts? You know, or <laughs> jeans. You know, it's everybody was clicky and the expensive bikes and up doing and outdoing each other. You know, that's still showing and quite essentially that victimization because you don't feel you can stand on your own you feel that you have to follow a crowd to validate you
1: mm-hmm.
2: you're, you're talking about influence of association not only do they it's it starts out by handing wanting to hang out with like so if you know most smokers hang out with smokers and and most people that are non-drinkers hang out with non-drinkers and so on and so forth. But it goes even further that most people hang out with people that make about the same amount of money that You're you right. do. I mean, even even think of ourselves. I mean, I'm thinking about my personal friends. I, I, I don't know, you know, have any billionaires as personal friends. Well, yeah, we or could even have changed that. Or...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I had a friend explain it to me one time when I was talking to him about it. He says, yeah, but what would you do if you had a millionaire as a... As a as a best friend, a really close friend, I said I don't know. He said that you would eventually have to live off of this person just to hang out with them. Oh, let's go to France and have breakfast. Uh, okay, I, I can't afford it. So oh no, don't worry about it. And eventually, and I think this is part and parcel to to what happens that we want to hang out with like so we don't feel
0: inadequate
2: out of place or yeah. inadequate, you know. And then we and then likewise, we don't want to hang out with someone who's doesn't make as much money as we do because we don't want to feel that we're the reason they're feeling bad.
0: But, you know, those millionaires were just us that happened to have good business sense, you know? Um, yeah, they just- you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I did a sh- uh, show for this week um, called um, uh, Your Tone of Voice, which is, you know, your tone which is just how people going to receive you. But there is one piece I started off with, which is what I use in my own workshops, is First impressions, when somebody sees you for the first moment. 55% is like a, a camera shutter. Immediately, how they're going to assess the way you look. And a lot of people think you have to be in this Armani suit. Well, no, you don't. Because if you don't, if, if all you can see is the suit and not the person.
2: It's actually a Gucci it's,
0: suit. Oh, it's Gucci yes. now, is it? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm behind the times here. But if it's, kidding, if it's a, um, you know, the suit doesn't fit you then all right. people are going to do is see the suit. It's being comfortable enough in your own skin, in your own persona. You could be in you know, nice shirt and jeans or in a nice little skirt and top. If you are confident in who you are, that is what people are going to see. 37% have... Um, oh, got to echo here. 37% is actually your tone of voice. And that's how people are going to receive you. They're going to listen oh, to you through that there's tone to of you. voice, and only seven percent is cut. If we stop everybody and compartmentalizing everybody into little boxes, just because it makes us feel uncomfortable, uh, this is one of the issues and the problems that we have, oh, and where the judgment and the assumptions come in. Who's to say that that millionaire, just because he can afford to do that, wouldn't be grateful for your company to go to That's Paris true. for breakfast?
2: I mean, when my wife met me, I was wearing this alpaca sweater that I loved with this burnt hole in it from when I used to do welding. And she looked at the sweater and said, you got to be kidding. That's that's going in the garbage. There's no way you're wearing that around me. And she decided to marry me anyways, regardless.
0: (laughs) Is the sweater still around? You know,
2: and then she has pictures of my clothes, of pictures of me wearing the clothes I used to wear before she married me. And she says, you see that? You see, that's why you married me. So you, and then she showed me a picture of today and says, so you could look like that. You know, and I've, she's got this, you know, whatever clothes she's bought for me. But that, that's a perfect example about, you know, she looks at me and she's automatically, she is not attracted to anything that I'm wearing. She's made it perfectly, abundantly clear.
0: Yeah. But it didn't
2: stop her from seeing what was behind all that clothes, Exactly. You know, to see yeah. what's inside. So yeah. obviously, and, and if you're yeah,
0: confident... And com, if you, yeah. you know, if you like who you are, that's what's going to radiate out. You could be in a like slack. Yeah. Uh, and that wouldn't matter. Uh, I mean, it's, it comes down to how do you feel about yourself? Absolutely. And if you like yourself, then that's what other people are going to be drawn to. I mean,
2: I look back at that sweater now and I, I got to agree. It was pretty ugly. I mean, it was, wow. I can't believe I, I wore that. It was, I, I, I loved it. It was my favorite sweater. But it was damn ugly. I mean, it was...
0: It became your, it became your little blanket. You
2: know, wow. <laughs> talk about uh, one of those things that uh, if it's comfortable, you wear it, even if it doesn't look good, you know. It, uh, it was brutal. But uh, yeah, I wore it anyways, and it seemed to uh, not, you know, didn't uh, prevent me from meeting women or anything like that, because I'm with my wife now. But yeah, it's a perfect example that if I felt confident in that putrid, ugly-looking sweater. So that's what emitted... Yes. And then my wife exactly. came alive. Exactly. So, you
0: know. But I've, you know, I've seen pictures of you and uh, um, I met you personally. And so, you know, um, you know there's, no, there's no harm in kind of, it, again, it's not dressing in the big expensive suit, but you know, kind of dressing to please the eye because mm-hmm. we are visual people as well. And it's when you take care of yourself, you show other people that A, you respect their eye, and B, you respect yourself.
2: Absolutely. And if you can, I I can't remember, I, I can't remember how many people I've actually said these words to that. If you believe it, others will believe it. Yeah. You just have to believe it yourself. And even if you don't believe it, just start saying it to yourself. I'm not a victim. I'm not a bully. I'm not that person that goes out and beats people up. And then you go to the next day at school and you start beating people up. Just start somewhere Start somewhere by just saying the words, and it will yeah. start the process that will lead you to where you need to go, to to not to be to not be that person that you know you're not.
0: Change those beliefs.
2: Mm-hmm. Just start somewhere. Just even just yeah. say it. Just say, "I'm not a victim. I'm not a bully." I, I mean, also, it, you
0: know, I I look at my daughter as an example of that. Um, she knew she was being bullied. She knew if they were walking down the hallway that they were going to do something. But because she didn't react to it, mm-hmm. she didn't give them the pleasure of crying or this or that. She stood her ground, Absolutely. and she's small. Yeah. She's she's only five five, and you know a couple of these were much taller girls. Um, she didn't react back, you know, and that's something. Um, um two things my mum used to say to me. One was the value you put on yourself is the value that people would take you for. And she gave that to me as a youngster. But I really only got to understand it as an older adult. uh, Because at that time, I wasn't living in any value. So it's only when I learned to put value on myself that I truly understood that statement. Mm -hmm. The other one is um, when people are bullying you, simply do not react. Let them do their spiel. And then look at them with a rather glazed look on your face. Sorry, were you talking to me?
2: Mm Mm-hmm
0: and in this way you're not feeding them you're not giving them any response back you might be shivering and quivering inside Mm -hmm. but you're not giving them anything back and uh, you know you're not reacting because what are they what do they really want they They want want you to react to the situation
2: they want to push that button and have a reaction when they push the button so when they do what you say they, that you should do, they'll push the button and, and push again. Damn, this button's not working. What's wrong? i got to get it checked. This button's not working. And eventually they won't push that button anymore. They'll try a different button because that one's
0: not working. And you just keep not responding. Yeah, and then eventually
2: yeah. it's just... It, yeah. and,
1: and then the other thing is uh, something that just came to mind as you were saying that is uh, there is real credence in the saying of, you know killing somebody with kindness or you know or maybe killing you know their behavior with the kindness by you know just like either ignoring it or um you know maybe you get on there the next day and and uh you know post something really inspirational that you think might help the person or you know something like that yeah. and uh so and and when you embody that and you act like that It it makes it almost impossible for the person to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I I ran into this with my daughter when she's been been in one of her, you know, little tirades about something or other. I just remain totally calm and you know, maybe I said, Oh look, Lynn's, isn't it a beautiful like sunset tonight? And then it totally changes the whole thing. Like it gets her out of that like Mm -hmm. mode that she's in and and, uh, you know, refocuses it on something else. So if you don't, you know, uh, like react to it and act in a sense like they're reacting and, and model the way you want to be treated and, and, you know, the values that you want to live by, then other people will respond to that too. The oh, wow. other
0: thing um, I used to do um, with my ex is when he went off on his tirade, was would say um, the only one that's interested to this is your mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in other words... Go and dump somewhere else uh, because this yeah. isn't your dumping ground anymore.
1: Yeah. Or if you're feeling sassy, just say, you know what? Talk to the hand because the ears <laughs> ain't listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not reacting. That is
0: kind of counter reacting. I will not stand for this. Mm-hmm. I will not take this.
2: Yeah, standing your ground.
0: Standing your ground. I yeah. am not interested in this behavior. Come back to me when you have something nice to say. If you don't, I'm not receiving this. Yeah,
2: this is often a technique I use when um, I'm working with dogs that are aggressive, and it's just like bullying. They are trying to get a reaction out of me, and they are doing their damnedest, showing their teeth, doing all you know, have their hackles up. And of course, uh, what I do is I, I completely ignore them, and uh, to the point that they're they're intrigued now, because. Mm-hmm you know, I've got this strong, calm energy, and it's almost as if they were trying to test me if I was worthy to teach them what they're, what they're wanting uh-huh. to learn.
1: Yeah. That, that's so, a good one. You know, children do that, too. Um, you know, they might act out just to kind of test See the, the how you react. Yeah, yeah, test the boundaries. And they might be doing, who knows, bullies might be doing that with you, too, just, you know, see how far they can push. And if you set that boundary, that limit, Maybe that's what they're looking for. Maybe they're just begging for somebody to, you know, shut them down and, and say, you know, I'm not listening. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I, I went. I was called to do uh, not a training, but someone had left a dog chained up in a backyard, a big German Shepherd female. She was like about 120 pounds, and uh, everybody that went to deal with her, she kept biting them. And so I was called to... Uh, handle this situation so I walked in and uh, I basically ignored her uh, there was a stump of a tree that had been cut off that was beside the tree she was uh, chained up to and I sat down and completely ignored her and she tried everything to scare the bejesus out of me and I didn't listen to any of it and then she actually uh, you know, came really close and was sniffing me and then would kind of growl as one last little are you still going to, you know, is it still going to work? And then after that little growl, she sat back and put her paw on top of my leg saying, okay, uh, uh, you, you've passed the test. We're good. I can trust you now. Let's go. <laughs> and right as soon as she put the paw on my leg, I stood up. I said, all right, let's get you off this thing. Took the chain off of her, her neck and let her run around in the backyard and I started doing all of my behavioral stuff to get her to follow me and this and that. And then I took her to the street and she followed me on the street. And so it was just... Once you've passed that stage with the who's-its, you know, and they're, they're going to try their best. They're going to get right in your face at the last moment, get right in your face and say, grr, gur, growl, you know, and keep testing you until finally they just, you know what, how about we be friends instead, you know?
0: <laughs> so, again, it was, it was going back to the word trust. Absolutely. You know, when they, when they you know, you didn't react. How do fights go about it is one person in their emotion, you know, trying to get a rise out of somebody or, you know, expressing something, and the other person reacting to it. If we don't react to it, we don't feed it.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's just a matter of just having no doubt that it's going to work, no matter what they do. Just have no doubt in your mind that your calmness and your stillness, which is, I believe, are the most powerful... Mm-hmm powerful energies out there you know yeah uh, and i you know love is the most powerful but it's calmness and stillness that fuel that love and just have no doubt that it's it will you will overpower your persistence will overpower their resistance it's another
0: yeah. okay let's just just hit back into the uh, cyber because we kind of slid back into the face on face so mm-hmm. you know we know how many suicides have happened due mm-hmm. to cyber bullying um, also, you know, the people that have been bullied, uh, you know, that it was both cyber and, and bullying and they take up arms. Um, when it gets so out of hand, um, we had here in Maple Ridge a couple of years ago, a girl that was raped at a party and it went viral because somebody posted it and she ended up committing suicide. Right. Um, you know, when we have these type of things, it, never mind the empowerment, that pers- it's gone viral. It's out there for everyone to see. Um, everybody is now knows that they are the victim and, and could essentially they've been raped twice. Mm-hmm. How do we address something like that and stop it from getting to a point where it we will end up being a suicide? I mean, what is to be done when it's that far?
2: Well, the... the... Growing up in that in that world and seeing people that had committed suicide because of um, bullying, uh, there were lot, there's always been a lot of teen suicides, and it's only really coming to light now of why most of them are happening, because back then we didn't know it was bullying, but because of all this information transfer that we have available to us, we now know that's what it is. So, it's from. From my expertise uh, with my uh, counseling, I find that these children, these teenagers, um, they get to a point where they have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. The parents are ill-equipped, no fault to their own, they're just ill-equipped to handle or even recognize any signs of what's going on. I mean, we all have busy lives, we're trying our best, we've got laundry to do, we've got to go to the bank, and we have to go to work eight hours a day. and. It it's doesn't take much for things to slip through the cracks, and anybody who's had teenagers knows that they are experts at hiding stuff from parents. They are very good at it, and I've dealt with parents where they say, no, little Johnny, he'd tell me, he'd tell me, and um, I was working with a teenager, 14-year-old, who was actually sent to me to an ad- one of my uh, first recovery houses where it's, it's adults. But she was so scared because he went to the hospital because he took a bad ecstasy pill, blah, blah, blah. And so she had, through desperation, just he <laughs> showed up at where we are. And anyways, I ended up taking him on as a client. And eventually, he uh, got to the point where I get a phone call from his mom saying that he tried to commit suicide. And so I started asking her questions, and um, it just dawned on me. I didn't even think of it. I said, is he on any medication? She says, oh, Yes. He's on antidepressants and boom,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it took, there goes the light bulb in my mind, you know, you get all this serotonin and then they start, the kid stops taking it and now they have no serotonin. So, you know, then one of the side effects is try to commit suicide. So I said, do you know if he's stopped taking them? And she says, nope, no, he still takes them. He, I asked him yesterday morning and he says he was still taking them. So then another light bulb <laughs> in my mind. So that's what he told you, got it. <laughs> so I brought him downstairs to the basement away from his mom, sat down with him, and I looked at him and I said, so when did you stop taking the pills? He said, oh, <laughs> about, about a week and a half ago. I was like, mm-hmm. So it's, it's no fault to the parents. I mean, it's a very difficult situation to, you know, because, you know, I have, I have certain abilities that I have as, as uh, to be able to read people. But when it comes to my wife, I can't read her because I have too many emotions involved. Mm -hmm. It clouds my ability to see. So these parents, no fault to their own, they have so many emotions involved. How can they decipher with what's wrong? Is she just in a bad mood? And um, women learn this way earlier than men how to put on a smile. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. Look how happy I am. But inside, they're not. So mm. it's a very difficult thing to do. So somehow, there there's has to be some sort of uh, uh, system involved that exposes it one way or the other. No and supports
0: why. the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. I mean? there's, there's too little support of the family. And you know, you see so much money going into the case, the court case, the lawyers and things like this. But where do you see the money going into... The extended family victimized because the parents are victims too. Here, their yeah, child yeah. has been victimized. Um, you know, and so they're going through their emotions. You know, they're feeling the guilt. Could I have stopped it? Could I have done this? Could I have done that? And mm-hmm. there really needs to be more counselling. And although that you know there are some cases where some people definitely need to be on some form of medication, um, there's also some kids that shouldn't be, and that can be with alternative nutritional facts and um, you know some help won't have to be on medication because medication Mm -hmm. can also be a falsehood as well and you know kind Mm -hmm. of leading them down as a crutch rather than kind of getting into handling their own problem so support needs to be there so if you are seeing something out there um, and you know of that person you know it needs to be the support to the person that's been victimized and without them bullying the person that's done it, they do need to be shown accountability of what they've done and uh, and make amends in whatever way they can. And if you see something that's been said that's nasty or a video that's nasty or demeaning or hurtful to that person, don't retweet, don't mm-hmm. repost, don't click on like, don't support it because... You are now becoming a bully by doing so, yeah,
1: yeah, and you know here's a fresh perspective. <laughs> how about you know taking that uh, that uh, angle of having compassion for the bullies and reaching out to them if you see it happening and ask them you know how you can help them mm-hmm. or you know. Uh, invite them to get involved in, uh, you know, something that's going to take their mind away, like, you know, an extracurricular activity or, yeah. you know, maybe befriend them and uh, see, you know, what happens. And, uh, and that can could be in, the, in them- the office
0: as well. If, you know, if, if somebody's lashing out or being nasty in the office, is it because you haven't invited them into the circle? Have you pushed them out and this is their reaction? How about taking some time to get to know them and know their story so that they don't feel compelled to do this? Yeah, yeah.
2: And having said that, now you've tweaked my mind about something that um, I've always wanted to talk about and never really had a chance to, and that is the construction industry. When I say bullying, let me tell you, they make high school bullying look like it's child's play, like it's nothing. The type of demeaning and violent reactions and reactions that you get in construction, it would never be allowed in any other industry. I've worked with it. I've experienced it. And having been in the industry for over 10 years, you can see that it actually does attract certain type of people to that industry. As I said, like victim type of people and even people that I find that are in the sort of mid-pack of the hierarchy where they get picked on, but they also pick on, Mm -hmm. you know, for the sort of underlings under them and the swearing and yelling and just put downs and demeaning, like it's unbelievable. And it's in all the industries. I've quit jobs. I've just picked my pouch up and left because they just came to me and, you know, the first month I was working with them and they just yelled their full whole head off at me. And I just, I don't say a word. I just pick up my pouch and go, there's nothing you can do. And, it's accepted in the construction industry oh this is how it is construction it's accepted Uh and and it shouldn't be like something and how many young
0: people go from school into construction and then they think you know bullying at school bullying here it's the norm
2: and i've talked to many guys many guys in this industry now and we have you know we tell our old you know war stories about this person and that person yelling and and you should see the responses. Well, you know, it was good for me, or, you know, I can understand where he's coming from because, you know, you know he only yelled when I was screwing up. It's no, it's not accepted, period. Whether you, you, you should be allowed to fail. I often tell my clients because most people that I deal with have issues with being wrong, not knowing, and making mistakes. And so I always say to them, you know, whenever we're dealing with that situation, I say, it is okay to make mistakes. It is okay to be wrong. And it is okay not to know. It's okay. You shouldn't be yelled at for it. You shouldn't be screamed and belittled. Are you stupid? Are you an idiot? What the hell? What's the hell? How am I supposed to account for all these costs? You know, your life, your business is not my responsibility, you know?
1: Yeah. And remember this, um, you know, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and it was, um, how he used to have this approach to leadership, um, that he now realizes didn't work. And then he's following, uh, you know, the new age ideas of, you know, empowering others and focusing on relationships. And he said, you know, if you beat somebody down with the stick, eventually they're going to take that stick from you and use it against you. Oh yeah. (laughs) And uh, so remember that bullies and, uh, you know, and then the second thing is, is that, um, you know, if you are uh, in a position where you're in um, a field or you're trying to influence somebody's behavior, um, you know, it could be in cyberbullying. You could be bullying them because you want them to influence their behavior in some way. Um, if you, if you be, keep beating somebody over and over and over again, eventually they're just going to lay down and they're not going to, they're not going to be empowered they're not going to um you know they're definitely not you're definitely not going to get what you're uh, trying to get by no, doing that because way. at
0: some point you're not, you know i can't please you i can't do anything for you so why should i bother mm-hmm. or they snap yeah uh, and go postal on yep. you right yep. so you know the thing is is that if you are going to be perpetually yelling and screaming at somebody or demeaning them or degrading them it speaks volumes of what you f- feel for yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you, are, if you think you are being Mr. Macho, and that, you know, as the foreman or as the, the manager, um, that you think that by constantly demeaning someone, belittling them, criticizing them, uh, that this makes you the bigger person, please note, recheck, because that ain't so. What you're showing yourself to be is an inadequate leader because you can only do it through bullying. It shows that you have no sense of value of humanity and you have no value or respect for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you did, would, you would be inspiring people by mentoring them, by believing in them, and they would be wanting to do bend over backwards for you mm-hmm. that is what a real leader is those that inspire and empower other people oh, not belittle and beat them verbally to death mm-hmm. to make you look the big person you, you can't yeah.
2: force change you know change is, no change is with with you can inspire it you but you can't force it change.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 well you know what we're coming to the end of this now so would you both please take a few minutes to let everybody know uh, how they can get hold of you when your shows are on So Ange, you first
1: Okay, so um, my show on plvradio.com is Dear Angela on Happiness and Success Uh, We often have guests on uh, We cover a lot of different topics Any single one of them can help you um, in your happiness and success and keeping it Uh, So please watch that and also watch Path to Joy and Prosperity TV uh, where we expand on uh, the weekly topics at PLV Radio
0: excellent and you'll find that under host uh, under shows and uh, schedules under host you'll find all her in there on plv-radio.com Josh
2: um, I'm uh, com as well it'll be uh, healthy people make healthy pets um, I'm brand spanking new uh, this is my first time ever doing this I, I even have the, the brand new car smell and everything
0: uh, be, the virgin yeah, yeah. I mean, green, green
2: newbie whatever you know new guy uh i'll be talking uh, uh we'll be talking about animals but mostly it'll be about dog dog training um you know the emotional and mental and spiritual uh ways to be to help make life a lot easier with your dog so You don't come home and see that look on your dog's face when you know they've gone to the bathroom somewhere that they shouldn't have. (laughs) Um, And I'll be helping with all that kind of stuff. Uh, You can contact me through Facebook but um, uh, also through PLV uh, radio uh, with my information on that and I'm not too sure on how to do that because I haven't gotten there yet but I'll, I'll figure it all out eventually.
0: You'll see his posting of his show coming up November 4th, the week of November 4th. Uh, He'll be airing three times a a week, as Angela does. And so if you uh, miss the show on the Monday, you can hear it again on Wednesday and on Friday. And then after that, all past shows go up into SoundCloud, uh, where you can uh, catch those as well. Thank you so much, folks. As you can see, this is a topic that can go on and on and on. Um, It's a, a very a topic that we've only scratched the surface of, but, you know, little bit by little bit, we'll chisel away at it. So thank you so much for being on air with me here today on Cyberbullying. And remember, folks, it starts with us, our own self-esteem, our own self-value, the responsibility for our actions, what we say, what we write, what we tweet, how we uh, represent ourselves so excuse me it's damn cold hopefully I'll get rid of it by next week Um, thank you very much to my hosts Adela and Josh
1: please do tune in to their shows thank you Sarah yeah this has been really enlightening likewise thank you and uh, we will
0: speak to you all again soon folks hope you have a great week and remember if you see it happening step up and be a part of the equation to stop it by caring for both parties take care everyone Have a good week.